Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I love the last part of that song. just said, man, God of revival is pouring out. And I, I love watching those kids and watching those adults who have made that decision to get baptized. And I just encourage you, no matter where you are right now, if you want to, Make that decision to say, man, I, I want to follow Jesus. I don't even know what I think about this whole thing or, or man, some li- things in my life are rough or whatever it is that's driving you to want to connect and want to dis- have something more. I'd encourage you to let us know. Hit that button on the website that says my decision or in the comments on social media. And we would love to lead you to a point of making a decision to be buried in the waters of baptism and to be raised to new life. Man, it is incredible to see all of you out there and uh, just to be in your homes. I know we can't meet together and we, we would love to, but I don't know where you're watching from, but I would say this, if you're watching from close by, we cannot wait till those doors open and we can flood back into this place and see each other face to face. And if you're far away, you need to know that we're gonna keep doing this. When the doors open, we won't stop doing digital church, online church. We're gonna be here every single weekend so that you can connect with us and continue to be a part of our family. And, and I kind of realized, we were talking about this the other day, there are people that have been on the chat, there are people who have been texting and emailing us and been saying, hey, we've never been to your church, but we feel like we're a part of your family. And as soon as the doors open, we're gonna be there. And here's what that just makes me think. I I think you're watching online and you're connecting and saying, man, I I like what I'm seeing. I even like this Jesus guy they're talking about. I think I could like this church, but you really don't know the story of our church. Like you may not know actually what makes us tick. And so here's what we're gonna do over the next two weeks. I'm gonna take today and I'm gonna talk about our mission and just who who we are as a church. And we're about helping as many people as possible know Jesus and love like him. And then next week, Matt Cody, our campus pastor at our Frederick campus, is going to jump up and he's going to talk a little bit about just we are the church. Doesn't have to be at church to be the church, but we are the church who is a group of people that is going out into the community to reach as many people as possible. And so we just want to give you a picture of who we are. And when those doors open, man, and when online church is going and it's both things are happening, man, we want to see you flood back into this place. But we want you to know who we are. Now, if you've been around church, or if you haven't been around church, you'll probably still understand what I say when I say that religion, for most people, is like this giant game of Simon Says. Now, think about it for a second. We've all played Simon Says. When you were a kid, somebody would get up front, and they would stand there, and they were the rule maker, right? They were the person who was in control of the game, and they were the person saying, here's the movements, here's what you're supposed to do, and they were also the person watching for people to mess up. So if they did a somersault, if they did a backflip, you had to try your best. And if they did something without saying Simon says, and you did it, you were out. And here's the thing about religion. A lot of times I think people reduce religion down to a bunch of rules and requirements of whatever God they look at, whatever he says, whether it's Allah says, or Joseph Smith says, or if you're a Christian, Jesus says, we reduced it down, faith down to this set of rules and requirements that eliminates relationship. And what it does, what it produces, what I found is it produces a bunch of Christians or a bunch of religious people, whatever your religion is, that are all about the rules and requirements. They become self-focused, self-righteous, and judgmental. And what it does is creates churches or organizations of people that are exclusive, that push people out that don't believe the same thing they believe or don't behave the same way they behave and say, you're not worthy of being a part of this. 
When I was a senior in college, we, my wife and I were going to a school back in Missouri, and we wanted to minister where we lived uh, in the Northwest. And so we transferred our senior year out to Portland, Oregon to go to school at Cascade College, small little school. We were the first graduating class for the ministry side of the school. And, and I remember walking in, and I, I, knew that, I knew about the school. It was, and I didn't really care much about what the school was about. What I really cared about is I could get my diploma in the area and network and get a job in an area at the time that only 13% of the people in that area, in that region, were Christians and went to church. And so there weren't as many jobs available, and so I was going out there to network, but I show up at this church and realize really quickly that they had some Jesus says rules and requirements that you had to do to fit in. And one of those, and all kinds of churches have these, like some of them are a little more, you know, anxious about them, a little more intimidating about them, a little more straightforward about them. This one I walked in and I had no idea about their background that they didn't have music in their services. Now they sang, but they didn't have instruments. So what you saw today, man, the worship team's doing a phenomenal job, but just the energy and the excitement and the guitars and the, the, you know, the drums and all that, they didn't have that. So I always wonder, I walked into chapel for the first month and I'm looking at my wife, I'm like, man, why, why are we always singing a cappella? And it was beautiful, like four-part harmony, amazing. But for some reason, there were no instruments. Well, I didn't realize how big a deal that was to them. And so I had this Romans class, and the professor, Sean Jones, put us into Paris to do papers on a certain couple chapters of Romans. And so I had this girl that was my partner. I'd seen her across the class, but never really met her. I lived off campus. And, and uh, so we met in the library to kind of line out what we were going to do. And so we sit down, we just small talk for a little bit and learn about each other. And she asked a question. Finally, she says, so you're going into ministry. What's your church background? What church did you come from? So I said, I said, hey, I, I went to Singing Hills Christian Church and over in, you know, Hillsboro, about 30 minutes away. And she caught on to the line Christian church because her church was from a different place and, and had a different name to it. And it immediately trapped in her mind, well, he has instruments in his service. So the next question she asked is, do you, do you have music like instruments in your worship service? And I'm thinking, well, that's a weird question. I'm like, yeah, sure. We got a band. We got drums. We got electric guitar. Man, the band's awesome. So I go off about my church. And in the middle of me going off about my church, she gets this deer in the headlight looks like I've got COVID or something or Jesus cooties. I got to get out of this place, get away from this guy. She stands up and walks out of the room. And I have no idea why. I'm like sniffing. I'm going, is there something wrong with me? She goes to my professor and asks to get transferred to a different partner because she doesn't want to be with me. So I walk into his office and I'm like, uh, Dr. Jones, something just happened. And he said, I know she was already here and I gave her a different partner, more for you and not for her. And I'm like, what's the deal? And he goes on to explain to me for this school that there was a certain small percentage like 10 percent of people in that school that believed that that issue was not just a preference issue it was a salvation issue he says sean she she doesn't think you're in and i'm going i'm a pastor's kid i've grown up in church i've been in church every single day since i was born right i get this church thing and she doesn't think i'm in with jesus or god or heaven that's what you're saying because of music and he's like yeah that's right you see for her there was a set of Jesus says rules, that if I didn't fit into those rules, then I didn't fit into her picture of faith, and she was uncomfortable around me, and man, did she ever make me uncomfortable around her or even uncomfortable around that school. Now, I went on and graduated, but that story stuck in my mind of when I become a pastor someday, 
If I get to pastor a church, our church is going to look different than that. You know, if you track back through the New Testament and you look at the things of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers, what they write about Jesus, and if you take away everything you've ever thought about God, if you were able to erase everything you've ever thought about religion or church or Jesus or all of that, and you just took what those four gospel writers who, who went with Jesus everywhere, if you took what they said, you would find out that faith for them was not a list of Jesus says rules. What faith was for them was a relationship. It was simply a relationship of getting to know Jesus. And getting to know Jesus and following him in a way that it wasn't a bunch of rules or regulations. It was just a relationship that began to transform us into people who began to love and to deal with and to connect with people the way Jesus did. And so that right there, if you've never been to Rocky, here's what you need to understand. That right there shapes the mission of who we are. That our mission is simply this. It is as simple. I've heard so many people say this. That is so simple, but it's so clear. And here it is. We are about helping as many people as possible know Jesus and love like him. Matt talked about day of hope. Man, that's what it is. Hashtag know and love. Man, we simply want to be about knowing Jesus. We believe if you follow Jesus, man, it will transform your life into loving like he does. Matthew chapter 9. I preached on it about three, three months ago. It's a story of Matthew telling a story, the gospel of Matthew. Matthew telling a story about himself when he was called to follow Jesus. And, and I think when we talked about it before, we talked more about the tax collector part. I'll hit that. But I want to talk to you about the Pharisee part at the end how the religious people reacted to Jesus inviting the tax collector to follow him. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 13, here's what it, or verse 9, here's what it says. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he was standing on the Sea of Galilee, he was next to Capernaum, and he walked up to a harbor, a port. It says, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up, and he followed him. Now here's the interesting thing about Jesus. Is you, if Jesus was all about the whole Jesus says thing, if he was all about rules and regulations, he would have avoided people like Matthew. And when he called Matthew to follow him, it was just this picture of Jesus extending an invitation to every kind of person possible. So when Jesus extended an invitation to people, he extended an invitation to the religious people. He extended an invitation to the irreligious people. He extended an invitation to wealthy people and non-wealthy people. He extended to people, to people who are influential and non-influential. Every single person. And in this passage, he extends an invitation to the unexpected tax collector. Now, if you know much about tax collectors, I mean, they were about the most disgusting people that you could find in Jewish culture. Now, I heard another pastor talking about this, and he described it this way. It's so disgusting that this would be like the 22-year-old kid standing out back of the gas station selling drugs to middle schoolers, right? I mean, that in our culture, like, that's as low as you can get. And there's other things we could say, but probably won't want to say them on camera. But that's it. That's how they felt about this guy. Because tax collectors were Jewish people who collected Roman taxes. And here's how the tax collecting thing worked. So the Romans would actually auction off the right to collect taxes to the Roman-governed provinces. So people in Rome or Roman citizens would bid on the right, and then if they got the right, what they would do is they could go to collect taxes in those areas, like Judea, where Jesus is, and they could collect as much as they wanted as long as Rome 
got their share. And so practically how it just kind of rolled down is those Roman citizens would then go to Judea and other places and they would say, hey, I have the right to collect Roman taxes and I want to employ you as a Jewish citizen. They go to somebody in the community and they would offer them the job uh, collecting taxes. Now, if you're sitting there like I am, you're going, there is no way that I would ever say yes. But what they would do is they would offer them so much money that they could hardly say no. And so Matthew's family, somewhere along the line, somebody had come and offered them the opportunity to collect taxes, and Matthew's father, or Matthew, or whoever it was, said yes, and the immediate thing that happened was that he became an outcast. So Matthew's an outcast. People looked at him, and they said, man, this guy's disgusting, and Jesus is walking along with a crowd. He's a rabbi, and so we would have had a crowd that was following him. He hadn't chosen his 12 disciples yet, but they probably would have been in the crowd. They weren't official followers as far as students of the rabbi, but they were still following. Peter would have been there. John would have been there. James would have been there. And they would have seen Jesus walking by, and he stops at a tax collector's booth. And man, in the moment, you can imagine, the crowd is just itching. Like they're wondering, what's he going to say? Because they know all the things that they've said to Matthew and his family through the years. All the one-liners, all the looks that they've given, spitting at him, whatever it might be. And all the things that Jesus could have said, like he could have looked at Matthew and said, traitor, I bet your mom's really proud of you, right? But he looks at Matthew and he simply says this, two words. He says, follow me. Jesus extending an invitation to Matthew. That was an invitation that he extended to Peter, an invitation that he extended to John, an extended an invitation to religious people, irreligious people, poor people, rich people, all of that. And the crowd would have gasped and said, did he just say that to Matthew? And Jesus did. He extended an invitation to Matthew. And here's the thing with it. Jesus extended an invitation and he didn't put conditions along with it. And I think for us as a church, man, that's one thing we need to understand is that when Jesus comes to us, the kind of church that Jesus wants to have is he extends an invitation to us. He doesn't say, like he could have said to Matthew, hey, Matthew, when you clean your life up, hey, Matthew, why don't you just follow me? And, and before you follow me, how about you pay back all those people that you've extorted money from? Jesus could have given all kinds of conditions that Matthew would have looked at and said, there's no way, that costs too much. I can't do that. I'm not, Jesus, why don't you just pay your taxes and get out of here? And Jesus is the same way with us. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care where you come from. He doesn't care what kind of church you come from. He doesn't care what kind of sin is in your life. Jesus never puts conditions. All he simply does is say, follow me. He doesn't look at you and me and say, Sean, when you clean your life up, like Sean, when you obey the Ten Commandments, Sean, when you read your Bible every day, Sean, when you ask for forgiveness of your sins every single day, Sean, when you show up to church every single day, whether it's online or in person or Jesus looks at us and says, you are valuable enough to me that I want you simply to follow me. And he looks at us as a church and he says, church, I don't want you to put conditions on people following me. They don't have to get cleaned up. They don't have to believe all the right things. They don't have to be behave all the right ways. They don't even have to believe before they can belong. I simply want you to be a church that loves people enough that you extend an invitation to every single kind of people. And so I think the question comes back. The question comes back for you personally, for me personally, for us as a church is simply this, is not are all you following all the right rules. Not do you fit the right requirements. Not are you doing a Jesus says kind of lifestyle. 
but are you following? And Jesus makes it that simple. Are you following? Are you doing what our mission simply says of of getting to know Jesus? Are you striving every single day to know Jesus better? And we believe when that happens, when you get to know him, it supernaturally starts to change our lives. And we begin to love like Jesus loves. If we get into Jesus, if we begin to follow Jesus, try to pattern our lives, it's not a list of rules. It's actually about relationship. And extending that relationship with him and offering that relationship with him and with other people, his people, as far as we can. And so the question is, are you following? And I think the religious people looked back and the crowd looked back at Jesus and Jesus, it can't be that easy. Like you can't simply ask a tax collector who's taken so much money from us to be your follower and Jesus wasn't asking him just to take a walk down the Sea of Galilee. This was an invitation. Follow me was an invitation that he was the rabbi, he was the teacher. And now, Matthew, I'm asking you to become one of my peeps. I'm asking you to become one of my team. I'm asking, I am picking you to be on my team and to be about my mission with me. He didn't just join the crowd. Jesus was calling him to be one of the 12, and it shocked the disciples and the religious leaders. The story goes on, and you want to talk about being shocked. It gets even worse than that. In verse 10, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's household, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. I mean, it's a big deal, right? Not only did Jesus just ask and say, hey, tax collector, come follow me. Then he said, hey, Matthew, let's go hang out together. I'd like to hang out with a few of your friends. I'd like to meet your people. So Matthew's saying, hey, Jesus, where do you want to go? And Jesus did this all the time. He said, Matthew, let's go to a place that's comfortable for you, not for me. He'd done that with Zacchaeus. He'd done that with other people. He does it with Matthew, and he says, Matthew, it might hurt my reputation, but I don't want it to mess with yours, so what I want to do is let's go to your house, and let's have a meal at your house. And table fellowship was huge in their culture. You need to understand that that table fellowship meant, so the idea of table fellowship was that you only ate with people that were close friends, confidants, or people who were on your team or who could advance your mission. And so the religious people are looking at Jesus and going, that's your people? That's the people you're gonna choose to hang out with? And what it is is cause issues with the credibility for them of Jesus' message and causes them to react a whole different way. And so Matthew hangs out, he invites all these people and Jesus comes and hangs out with them. And the amazing thing about the story that ought to be interesting to you especially if you're a person who's been hurt by church, especially if you're a person who's had an experience like I had with a church that kind of pushed me out and said, hey, this, you don't fit my rules and regulations, is not only did Jesus invite every kind of person possible to follow him, man, Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with every person he invited, no matter where he came from in the background. So Jesus shows up at Matthew's house and they break out the party and they're hanging out and they're having a great time. And Matthew's laughing and Jesus is comfortable. And I don't know if you've ever been around with one of those people that is so comfortable in their own skin and they're so confident and they don't care what anybody else thinks and they're so loving and focused on other people that everyone else at the party, everyone else around them wants to be with them. Like everyone, it makes everybody else comfortable. The walls come down, people laugh, they wanna be around that person. Man, that was Jesus times a million. And he sits down with, it says, two categories. It says tax collectors and sinners. 
So Matthew's a tax collector, but it's interesting. There was two categories at the bottom of the barrel that were Matthew's friends. There was tax collectors. They were the bottom, but the sinners had a different category. Like they were a notch up. It was people who didn't go to the synagogue, weren't allowed there. People who didn't make sacrifices, but even the sinners were like, hey, Matthew, I'm gonna hang out with you, but just know I'm not a tax collector. I'm not that disgusting of a person. Matthew invites all these people, and what does Jesus walk in and do? Is he laughs with them. He hangs out with those people. And he enjoys the time with them. And the, the tax collector or the, the Pharisees are outside with him. And they look on the inside and they have this reaction to Jesus. They see Jesus being so comfortable in, their own, in his own skin with these people. And then they watch the people who are with Jesus being comfortable with him. And they have this reaction to it. Because they look at Jesus and they're like, Jesus, you should be hanging out with us. Like, you're like us. Why? Why aren't you hanging out with us? Why aren't you inviting us to table fellowship? And there's a reason for that, and Jesus says it right here. So when the Pharisees saw this in verse 11 and 12, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So I can imagine this moment. The Pharisees aren't inside the house because they wouldn't have been invited inside the house, but maybe it's when the party's breaking it up and some of Jesus' followers like Peter and others are walking outside the house and the Pharisees look at him and say, hey, we got a question. Man, we're his kind of people. He's a rabbi, we're rabbis. He's holy, we're holy. He's supposed to be like us. Yet for some reason, he doesn't invite us to dinners. He doesn't want to be with us. He doesn't even seem to like us and we don't seem to like him. So why does he eat with those people and not with us? And somehow Jesus, I don't know if he overheard or if somebody came back and told him, but Jesus yells outside the house and I can imagine Matthew sitting there and Jesus just declares his mission right there. He says, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And I can imagine Matthew sitting there and going, hey Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Are you calling us sick? And I can see Jesus looking back at Matthew and saying, hey Matthew, you're a tax collector. And Matthew going, yeah, Jesus, you're right. You're right, I am. And going back to the party. And Jesus was making a statement right there that I think we need to all understand. Jesus invited every single kind of person to follow him. Jesus felt extraordinarily comfortable around every single kind of person. And the reaction of those people is that they felt comfortable around him. And we should be that kind of church. We should be the kind of church that makes people feel comfortable around us, which makes them be kind of curious about Jesus. That maybe I could like Jesus but I sure, because I sure like his people. But what's interesting about this is Jesus makes a statement right there that only people who know they're sick, only people who know that whether or not they believe the right things or behave the right things, that there's just not something quite right. That there's something better that they're looking for out there in that life. That, that there's gotta be something more than this. Only people who realize they're sick are qualified to be the kind of followers that Jesus are looking for. And that doesn't matter if you're religious or non-religious. That doesn't matter if you're a church person or not a church person. That doesn't matter if you've ever walked inside of a church or not. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus or not. What Jesus is saying, the only thing that qualifies you to be a follower of me is if you know you're sick. And Matthew knew. He sat at that tax collector's booth and he said, man, I want something more. And he got up and accepted the invitation to follow. You know, I think there's a lot of people that 
even people who go to church that are sitting there saying, you know, I think there is something more to this. More than just behaving the right way or just believing the right things. There's got to be something in this life that gives hope and peace and begins to transform things. And what Jesus was simply saying is, man, every single one of us is sick with with the disease called sin. We talk about COVID all the time. We're trying to find a cure for that. Man, the disease that we have in life is sin. And we all wanna measure up to the rules and we all wanna be right and we all wanna be good, but when it really comes down to it, we know we're not. Like you know, you set rules. If you're a parent, you set rules for your kid, but I laugh as a parent sometimes when I've set rules for my kids and I realize I'm not even actually following all those rules. Like there's moments even when my kids look back at me and like, Dad, those are the rules, man. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's what I've said to you. And the Bible talks about how every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God, that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then it simply says that, that when we fall short and we sin, that what we deserve for our sin is to be separated from God. And you look at Matthew, Matthew was separated from the religious people. But what Jesus came to do was to invite the worst of sinners Everyone who sinned, regular people, godly people, whatever, every single one of us has sinned to invite us to understand that the cure comes in Jesus. And he says, if you will accept a relationship with me, if you will believe in me, if you will accept me, I mean, it's simple, it's ABC. If you will accept me as your savior and say, Jesus, you're the son of God, you're the only one that can cure this and bring me back to God, to get rid of the separation. And then the Bible says that those who accepted Christ in the New Testament were baptized. So we accept him and then we get baptized seeing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ being applied to us. And then we commit our lives not to a set of rules, not to a set of behaviors, not to, but to simply following Jesus to know him and begin to love people like him. And the Pharisees couldn't take it. You see, the Pharisees were a Jesus says, not a Jesus says, but maybe a Jehovah says, the Jewish way, the, a name for God. All the rules and regulations, you go through the Old Testament, they had 613 rules in the books of the law. They had the Ten Commandments. I mean, it just went on and on with all the rules they created and traditions. And they looked at Matthew and like, Matthew cannot be in with us because he doesn't follow the rules. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And if he hadn't offended Matthew and the other tax collectors and sinners, he was about to offend the healthy people, the Pharisees. He says, but go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not called, come to call the righteous, but sinners. You probably don't get the sarcasm that Jesus threw in there. And Jesus said, I, I, came, for, I came to call sinners. He, came, he said, I did not come to call the healthy, but the sick, the people who are sick and who need something from me. Then he extends it on with the Pharisees and he said, haven't you read your Bible? They were experts in the Bible. He's like, haven't you read the book of Hosea? He says, go understand what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You see that religious people were all about doing religious things, about following the rules, and what it did is it eliminated relationship, and they couldn't even see the people that Jesus came to save. And so what it became for them is about believing the right things and behaving the right ways. And if you didn't, you were out. And Jesus came and he said, understand this. My mission is simple. My mission is to help everyone possible understand who I am, 
to not just understand what I've called them to do, but to understand who I am and to allow that to begin to transform their lives. And when you transform that into the mission of our church, here's what you need to understand, is that we will never be a church. I will never pastor a church. I don't want my family going to a church. I don't want to go to a church that is all about just believing the right things and behaving the right ways because it misses so many people. When we put a set of rules and regulations out there that says, if you don't fit this, you don't fit in with us, what we find is we find ourselves outside the very room where Jesus is trying to reach people. See, the the Pharisees weren't inside the room. They were outside the house. Somebody heard them say this, told Jesus, and Jesus yells outside to them and says, hey, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Go understand what this means. I don't care about the ritualistic rules that you're about. I care about the mercy that is extended in relationships. For the Pharisees, the people in the house, were faithless people that didn't match up to the rules. For Jesus, they were people with faces and names that he knew, that he understood. He knew their stories. He loved them, and he invited them on a journey to understand him. And he knew that when they simply just followed, not the rules, but Jesus, it'd start to change their life. And so what does that mean for us? And as a church, I would say this. If you are a person who has never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have to believe all the right things before you can belong. You do not have to understand the Bible. You you simply have to understand that Jesus is your Savior and the one that can save you from your sins and that all you have to be good enough to do is just say, today I want to start following And so if you accept him today and if you get baptized into the waters of baptism and raised to a new life and you commit your life, Jesus walks with you. He does not judge you. He walks with you every single day and gives you hope. And for us as a church, man, what that means is we are gonna be a people who are followers of Jesus that care more about relationship than rules. We care more about connection than our own preferences. And then we're gonna be a place that when people come inside of this place, we're gonna be so comfortable with ourselves and comfortable with Jesus that they're gonna be comfortable with us and they're gonna want to know him. I went home from that conversation with that girl that day and I looked at my wife and we're standing in the kitchen and we'd been married just, just a few months and I looked at her and I said, hey babe, I... I didn't look at her, I didn't say, hey, I just met this girl who's a hypocrite. Man, she was such a jerk to me. I I looked at her and I said this, I said, babe, I just looked in a mirror today. Because for me, I don't know what it was. I grew up in a great home, I grew up in a great church, but for some reason, I don't know if it's personality-wise or what I caught, I caught that religion or faith was just a bunch of Jesus says rules and it was about knowledge and I used that knowledge to win arguments. And I use that knowledge to be right. And I use that knowledge to try to be good enough to get in. And I began to judge other people and decide whether they were good enough and measured up to the standards, not Jesus had set, but maybe I had set to be in church. And all of a sudden it happened to me. And I realized that that girl and me (laughs) looked more like Pharisees than we did like Jesus. And I said to my wife that day, it was, it was our senior year of school, we were getting ready to get a job and go start leading in a church. And I said to her that day, man, if I ever get to lead a church, it will not be a church that's like that. We're gonna find out what it looks like to follow Jesus and to love like Jesus. And that's created a mission at this place for us 
That no matter who we are, no matter who comes to this place, man, we simply want to say, hey, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. We're all sick. We're all sinners. And Jesus is the cure. Why don't you join us? You see, when Jesus looked out at his disciples, he said, here's my mission. My mission is to get outside of the rules and regulations and to find people that, who do believe the right way and who do behave the right way and try to get them on mission with me to get the people who don't believe the right way and don't behave the right way to understand that there is something more to this life and to introduce them to me to give them hope. Matt said it earlier, we're hope dealers. And man, I hope that when we open the doors to this church and you're able to come back into this place if you live in this area, or when we open the doors of this church and you're still online with us, it will become your mission like it is our mission to help people who don't know Jesus feel comfortable with us so they can feel comfortable with Jesus and they can see new life. We're gonna end the service today with singing a song called Good Grace. And I want you just to remember as you sing this song that God's grace is not about rules and regulations, it is about relationships. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I hope you'll accept him today. Let's pray. Father, as we sing, I just pray that you would allow us to just kind of dwell in your grace today, that we would just see the opportunity to remember and be reminded that we don't have to be good to be called yours. We simply have to be available and follow you. Father, for the person who doesn't know you, I pray that they'll click that button and they'll say, hey, I just want to start this journey and I want to talk to a pastor or I want to accept Jesus as my Savior and be baptized. I want to make a step. Father, for those of us who are followers, Father, don't let our preferences of our backgrounds or our politics or our ideas or our church history or whatever it may be, don't let it get in the way of loving people the way you love people. Father, as a church, Help us be a church who loves and cares and allows people to be comfortable with connecting with you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.